Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. Pastor Ken is on sabbatical, so we brought in a guest speaker this morning. Bob Kilpatrick is amazing. Uh, we've been singing his song, In My Life, Lord, Be Glorified, for weeks now. Um, and he's a nationally known author, songwriter, worship leader. And uh, he's been around the world doing this, and this program, and he is here with us this morning. So why don't you give him a warm welcome and say hi to Bob Kilpatrick. Thank you, sir. Well, good morning. I, I don't know if you know this, but there's another group that comes in here earlier than you. I think they're like Mormons or something. You know? <laughs> so they got out just in time you know, for, you to, for you to come in. <laughs> well, hi, I, I, I am Bob. Uh, I saw my picture up there. I live in uh, Sacramento. I'm a married man. I married a woman. Thank you. We specify, you know. Her name is Cindy, and Cindy and I live together. We have, we've lived together ever since we got married. <laughs> Thought it would be fun, you know, and it was. It's been really fun. It's also produced children. We, a year and nine days after we were married, we had a son, and three years later, son number two, and two years after that, son number three, and two years after that, son number four, and two years after that, something different. <laughs> It's a girl. I didn't know we made that kind. All right. But I like it. You know what? I love being a husband. I love being a father. And now my kids are married and breeding. I think we got to be part rabbit because there are like 14 little Kilpatricks running around the face of the planet now. Number 15 comes in September. Number 16 in February. They're happily married. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I am uh, I'm proud of my kids, the stuff that they do. My oldest son's a writer. My second son's a designer. My third son's in business. Fourth son's a musician. And my daughter is an artist, and she's a newlywed, so she's just worthless. You know? <laughs> it's like, oh, Eric. <laughs> Don't worry. She'll get over it. Because <laughs> you did, didn't you? <laughs> the thing that makes me the happiest, though, is uh, not what they're doing, but that they all love Jesus. And there's just nothing better than that, you know? Nothing better. And I'm just very, very thankful to be blessed that way. Well, you know I write songs. And you know about that little song. In my life, Lord. Be glorified, be glorified. about that song is that uh, there's more to it than just the little chorus that we sing, that people sing, and I actually wrote that song never intending to sing it publicly. I wrote it as a prayer for my wife and me to sing, 
And when she, I wrote it in my mother-in-law's living room and the rest of the family was in the family room watching TV and my wife came in and I said, hey, I've just written a little song for you and me to sing as our, kind of our act of consecration to the work God's given us to do, you know. So we'll sing this one backstage and then we'll go out. It's just a little prayer song, just for the two of us. It was my wife who said, no, I think you should sing that publicly. And I, you know, I complained, I resisted. No, I'm not going to do that. This is just for us. It's just the two of us. And she said, no, I think, I think you'd actually be withholding a little gem from these people if you didn't sing it. I, think you, I really think you should. And you know what? She was right. So it's all her fault that the song got out the way it did. But the song, God took the song and gave it away to his people all over the planet very quickly. It was really kind of fun to watch happen because we had nothing to do with it. We were just like there for it, you know. In South America, we sing, And mi vida, gloria te doy, Señor. In Russia, we sing, In Australia, we sing, In my life, Lord, be glorified, mate. <laughs> so, uh, a friend of mine pointed out to me that this song has my style. It sounds like I wrote it. And uh, I think he's right. And that led me to this train of thought, and that is, what would this song have sounded like if somebody else had written it? And I came up with a couple of ideas. This is what I think Lord Be Glorified might have sounded like if Frank Sinatra had written it. One, two, one, two, three, well in my life, Lord, I say, be glorified, baby. Be glorified, well in my life, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. Or if the Beatles had written, Lord, be glorified. One, two, three. In my life, Lord, in my life, Lord, be glorified today. Be glorified today. (laughs) Or maybe, maybe if Willie had wrote it, Be glorified. Just can't wait to sing, Lord, be glorified. In my life, Lord, be glorified today. I can't wait to sing, Lord, be glorified. Woo, yeah. <laughs> well, why don't we cleanse our palates and sing it the original way, just so we uh, remember it properly the next time we want to pray this little musical prayer. So if you know it, would you sing it with me? And if you don't know it, jump in when you can. It's pretty easy. There are only five notes, seven words, the simplest of prayers, like this. In my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified in my by yourself say in my 
so I'm singing in this song, this song, Lord, be glorified right here, be glorified right now. dangerous little prayer. It's such an innocuous sounding little thing, you know. In my life, Lord, be glorified. It's like, Jesus, make me shiny. (laughs) I just want to glow. Is that what it is? No. You know what's dangerous about that prayer? Glory is what comes when the victorious warrior defeats his enemy. And he brings home the spoils of victory. That's the glory. So when you say, Jesus, be glorified in my life, you're saying, conquer me. Conquer me like a warrior and rule me like a king. From tip to tip, from head to toe, from the inside to the outside. It's a dangerous little prayer. And I hope you'll pray it every day. I was producing an album for some friends of mine named uh, Phil Keggy and Randy Stonehill. And uh, they wanted to use a song I'd written, but they kept teasing me about the song, about how much like the Beatles it sounded. They kept going, that's the best song McCartney hasn't written in 20 years. (laughs) And it's true. Every song I write kind of sounds like the Beatles wrote it, didn't like it, threw it away, and I went dumpster diving outside their house. You know, I just... (laughs) Just picking through Beatles trash, writing Beatle leftovers, you know. But if you know Phil and Randy, you know they're kind of like the John and Paul of Christian music. So it's really appropriate that they should sing this song. Well, I want to sing it for you this morning. And um, I want to tell you the message of the song. It's very simple. 
God doesn't promise that we'll always have pleasant paths or wonderful weather. What he promises is that no matter the path of the weather, we'll always have him. When you're in the valley of despair, feels as though you always will be there. Let your heart be strong. Though the road is long, there's a way to go. For soon enough the path will start to rise To mountains high and clear and sunny skies The way will take you high, the way will take you low That's the way it goes That's the way it goes sometimes Things are going to work out fine Rain will fall and then sun will shine again That's the way it goes Yeah, yeah, yeah And when the raging waters rush your way And it feels like you won't last another day Let your heart be brave The calming of the waves is nearer than you know For stormy days will be a distant dream La la la, la 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 Floating in a still and quiet stream The river will run fast The river will run slow Cause that's the way it goes That's the way it goes sometimes Things are going to work out fine Rain will fall and then Sun will shine again That's the way it goes Life's a mystery And we don't always see God's hand But He's the Lord of love and wonder One day we will understand That's the way wrote that song, the message was actually reversed. It said, that's the way it goes sometimes. Things don't always work out fine. The sun will shine and then the rain will fall again because that's the way it goes. (laughs) I was having a bad day. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) And I sang it for my wife and she said, cheerful. So I changed it. But you know, life is still like that. Life is sometimes good and sometimes bad. 
Life is absurd. Life is absurd. Some of you think, oh, you can't say that. It's heretical. Life is absurd. It really is absurd. But we sometimes think we ought to be able to understand this. And if you don't know it's absurd already, then, you know, you're either very young or you just need to get out more. <laughs> Life is absurd. I mean, can you explain to me hurricane, tsunami, earthquakes, giraffes? Some people's eyebrows. I mean, come on. Life is absurd. But you know what? Here's our problem. We think, we think we should be able to understand it. Because we're Christians. We're in touch with the creator of the universe. We should know. We should understand. But you know what you can't understand? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. What does it tell us? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know what he's saying here? Understanding won't help you every time. Don't lean on it. Because if it could help you, don't you think he would have said, lean hard on your own understanding or try to get more understanding? But what he's telling us is it, wasn't, it doesn't help all the time. But we think we're Christians. We're Christians and we believe we ought to understand. So we think, if I just knew God better and I read the Bible more, and I prayed longer than I would understand what God is doing in my life. I'm here to set you free this morning. No, you won't. There's going to come a time when things are going on, and you go, God, what's going on in my life? And he says, I'm not telling. (laughs) What are you doing in me? None of your business. Here's the worst. Why is this happening? Silence from heaven. That's the hardest part. Right there. You know what happens? I'll I'll tell you a a little byproduct of this. Because we believe that we ought to be able to understand, when we don't understand, we feel guilty. Because it must be me. It's not you. It's not you. It's God. God hides himself from us sometimes. You know what problem is? We're always trying to make sense out of life. As though life could make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You know what G.K. Chesterton said? The problem with life is that it almost makes sense. And because it almost makes sense, we're always trying to bend it. If I just fit it. And, and it won't go, it won't go. It's almost there and it won't go. It's like, it drives us nutty because we think that life ought to be like an equation. We could just add it up, you know. That makes sense. But life won't do it. It's still just so absurd. But we're always trying to make sense of our lives. God doesn't even care about making sense. You know what God cares about? Making good. While we're trying to make sense of it, he's trying to make good of it. He gives us a clue into his character. First chapter of Genesis. At the end of every creation day, he looked at what he'd made and he said, that makes sense. He didn't say that because some of it doesn't make sense. You ever seen a duck-billed platypus? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense at all. I'll tell you something else. You know what? 
there are 25,000 different kinds of spiders. That doesn't make any sense either. One would have been enough. And no hairy legs. And after you make that one, you just go, look, spider. Move on to snakes. Let's go. Nothing to see here. See, he, God is giving us a clue into his character. He didn't say that makes sense. He says that's good. What does Romans 8, 28 say? All things work together to make sense for those who love God. That's what we wanted to say, but it doesn't say that. All things work together for good, even when they don't make sense. So why is this? Why does God hide himself from us? Why are there times when life is so absurd and we don't understand it? Maybe you're going through some of that right now. I mean, we've been going through it for the last four years. Four years ago, my my 20-year-old nephew, Matt, died of leukemia, 20 years old, handsome, tall, athletic, godly. 17 months later, his dad, who was my brother-in-law and my very best friend, most of my life, died of cancer of the esophagus at the age of 54. This is absurd. So in less than a year and a half, my sister-in-law, Shelly, lost her son and her husband. Look, I, you know what? I, I wrote a book. <laughs> I, Shelly's story is actually in here, how she handled it, because she never asked why. She asked what. I, I admire her so much. She, she didn't say, God, why did you do this? She said, God, what can you make of this? What a great question, huh? Okay, here's so I got this book. This is a big deal to me, because I'm a book nerd. Just like... <laughs> That's a book, all right. I mean, I can't do a Kindle because they smell like plastic. I just love this. And I, I'm such a nerd for books. And then to, you know, to have a major publisher say, we want to put one out that you wrote. I can't get over it. It's the coolest thing that ever happened to me. It's my name. So I, you know, I was, in a, I'm, not, I'm enough of a nerd that I was, I wanted to hold it in my hands. I was waiting for that day when the book would get here and I could, you know. <laughs> so they called me and they said, your books are here. It's the day I've been waiting for. I took that call in the emergency room of Sutter General Hospital at the bedside of my brother, who at the age of 49 had a massive stroke and died. Life is absurd. You can't explain it. Don't try. Why does God do this? Why is there this mystery to life that we have to walk around, work around? Why? Why doesn't God explain himself? I think I understand now why. God is an artist. God is like a potter working with the clay. He's trying to make something beautiful and good out of your life. Some of us think, I'm an equation. God's trying to solve me. I'm a broken down life. God's trying to fix me. I got to tell you something. God doesn't want you solved. And he doesn't want you 
fixed. You know what God wants? He wants you dead and resurrected. God doesn't make things better. He makes things new. That's what he does. He's not into fixing people up. He's into making them new. That's why he showed us what he had in mind for us in the life of Jesus Christ. Take up your, lay down your life. Take up your cross and follow me. Not into a better life, into a new life. If any man is in Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he's a new creation, not a better one. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. That's what God wants. So why doesn't he explain himself? Here is the potter. Here's the artist, and he's working on his project, and he wants to make something beautiful and good out of you. And here he's working on us, and we go, that's a good, I see where you're going with this. It's a good idea. You know, I'm pretty good at this myself. Why don't you take a little break, and I will continue your work for you. And so we start trying to form ourselves into the image of God. Doesn't make you feel great when you lose some bad habits and get some good ones and you, you're just living out the gospel and you just, man, I'm so good. Praise Bob. <laughs> you know what God says to us? We start doing this and you know what God says? I don't want your thumbprints in the clay. I want my thumbprints in the clay. This is not a self-help program with Jesus thrown in. This is an anti-self-help program. It's not about you making yourself a better person. I mean, yeah, you know, drop some bad habits, get some good ones, lose some weight, learn a new language, you know, whatever. I don't care. But this is not going to help you before God. It's God's work, God's business to make you into the image of his son. What is your responsibility? What is God calling, calling us for, calling out from us, calling us to do? I'll tell you one thing. He's calling us to surrender, just to give up and let him have full and complete access to the materials of his art, to the clay of our lives. So sometimes we don't understand what's going on. Life is inexplicable, inexplicable, absurd. Sometimes circumstances are bad. And we all need a reminder that even when they are, God is good. I wrote this song while we were going through our struggle with Matt. And I have sung it to myself every night since. As I go to sleep, just to remind myself. God is good. God is good. All the plans he has for us are good. God is good, always good. We could trust his love for us, for God is good. God is good.
against you. God is your friend. He's not your enemy. Boy, if you could remember that because there are so many voices telling you otherwise. The loudest, perhaps, is your own. And it's really hard to ignore your own voice telling you God's not good. God's bad. God is not my friend. He's my enemy. God doesn't care about your background. Every day is an opportunity to start again. I want to tell you a story. And uh, you need to know one thing about this story before I begin, and it's simply this. This story is true. I didn't make it up. I didn't blow it up. I'm just telling it. It happened to a friend of mine named Phil. I was just with Phil again about six weeks ago in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, we just were celebrating again the goodness of God exemplified in this story. So you just need to know that. It's, it's true. Phil was the worship pastor in a little church east of Portland, Oregon, in a little town called Sandy, on the way toward Mount Hood on Highway 26. They were just starting out. They had one, 200 people at the time, you know. Every week, Phil would pray, Father, what would you like to hear from your people in worship this Sunday? And then he would plan the worship set with a listening ear of the voice of God. One week he prayed that and he felt like the Lord said, Sing, Jesus loves me. Sing in the garden. You know these songs? Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. You know, and the other one, I come to the garden alone with a lovely song. Phil doesn't like that song at all. Phil hates that song. Oh, it reminds it sounds to him like the 1890s, like Daisy, Daisy, give me your answer to you. You know, it's like, like an old lady Sunday school teacher song, and it's so whiny, and he wants it to be talking. So he didn't do it. So the next week he's praying again, Father, what would you like to hear from your people in worship this Sunday? And he felt that same urge, sing Jesus loves me, sing in the garden. I don't like that song. And you know I don't like that song. So he didn't do it, second week in a row. Next week he's praying again, Father, what would you like to hear from your people in worship this Sunday? I'd like to hear Jesus loves me. And I'd like to hear, in the garden. 
This week there were other little signs. He passed a lady in the grocery store. She's singing, and he walks with me and he talks with me. His mother called him up. Philip, when I die, I'd like you to sing in the garden at my funeral. (laughs) They got a floral arrangement delivered to the house, and there was a little plaster hymnal that was permanently open to in the garden. (laughs) Okay, I'll do it. So we got the worship team together, and they caught his enthusiasm. (laughs) Got up on Sunday morning. Maybe 100 people there, and he said, good morning, church. We're going to do something a little unusual this morning. We're just going to sing two songs. So uh, open your hymnals to page 262, and let's sing together in the garden. And when he said that, a guy sitting right over here went, oh, yes, (laughs) this is for me. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. Thank you all. I love you for this. This is for me. (laughs) This is a little bit of a shock. You know, these people are not charismatic or Pentecostal. They're, they never sing the third verse of any hymn. You know, they're just like quiet, quiet people. When they get excited, it's like this. Amen. That's it, man. You hit a home run, you know. So this is a little shocking for them. They all kind of jumped and filled with, okay, well, let's, uh, let's sing. I cut, and they started to sing the song. That guy stood up. Now, you know, when you're in a small group, you kind of stand out. He was the only one standing. And he was singing without the benefit of the hymnal. He knew all the words, even the third verse. He knew all the words. And he sang in a voice <laughs> Phil described to me as like a Nutty Professor Era Jerry Lewis, sort of a, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. He's got this weird squeaky thing going on, you know, and he's whooping and hollering in between the words, woohoo, you know, just yelling and stuff. And then they get to the end of the song, none other has ever known. You people are great. I love you for this. This is for me, and I love you for it. So thank you, thank you, and thank you. And he sat down. (laughs) Phil. Okay. Well, we're we're just going to sing one more song this morning, and maybe you know this one. (laughs) Maybe you remember it from your childhood. Jesus loves me. Yes! Oh, yes! This is for me! This is for me! Thank you so much! I love you for this! Thank you! This time... They began to sing. He didn't just stand up. He jumped up onto the pew. And he began to dance on the pew. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. But he is strong. Yes. Jesus loves me. He's just having himself a little party on the pew. They get to the end of the song. The Bible tells me so. Thank you so much. Oh, this is wonderful. This is for me, and I love you for it. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. (laughs) And he sat down. Phil. Okay, Pastor, your turn. (laughs) He left the stage. That guy didn't move, didn't make a peep during the rest of the service. Phil's leaving the stage over here. He got over here. He was met by a woman named Glinda, been a part of their church from the beginning. She said, uh, 
maybe I should tell you what just happened. He said, that would be nice. <laughs> so they went to the back room, they got a cup of coffee, and she told him the story. She said, the man's name is Roger. He came with my son, Brady. Roger has agoraphobia, fear of open spaces, fear of going out of doors. It gripped him as a teenager so strong that he stopped leaving his house. He wouldn't even go into the front yard. And he lived that way for 20 years. From his teens into his 30s, never left his house. 20 years is a long time. Houses changed and families changed and they changed under Roger and he couldn't stay there anymore. They had to find a place for him to live. So they found this facility and they took him there and he's been there for 14 years. Stays in his room, doesn't ever come out. She said a few years ago, my son Brady was assigned as his counselor. So he went by the room and popped the door open just to say hello. Hey, my name is Brady. Just wanted to say hello and introduce myself. And Roger wouldn't even look at him. But Brady kept at it. Every week he'd go back and he'd pop that door open. Hey, it's Brady. Just wanted to say hello. Hey, it's Brady. Just checking in with you. See how you... Hey, it's Brady. Just relentlessly cheerful week after week. Never giving up. And one week he came down... And he popped that door open and Roger was facing him and he said, hi, that's progress. One week he came down the hall and the door was already open and Roger was waiting in the doorway. And he said, I'm Roger. He introduced himself and he invited him in, into his room, into his life. They became good friends. Roger began to open up about his life and his struggles, turmoil. They became such good friends that Brady would go over on Sunday afternoons after church and just hang out with Roger for a couple hours. One Sunday afternoon, he came in and said, Hey, Roger. And Roger said, I want to go out. This is a miracle. Brady said, Roger, that's great. I'll go with you. Wait a minute. I have an idea. Why don't you go with me? Why don't you go to church with me? I've never been to church before. I don't know what they do in church. It's easy, Roger. We, uh, we sing a couple of songs, and then a guy talks for a while, and, and then we go home. Yeah, but I, I don't know any of the songs that they sing in church. I'll teach you a couple. So Glenda finished her story. She said, for the last two years, Brady and Roger have been preparing for Roger's first day out in 34 years. And today is that day. And he came to church with Brady. And for the last two years, Brady has been teaching Roger two songs. He only knows two. And they are, Jesus loves me. This is for me. He was telling the truth, wasn't he? This was for him. God looked and said, Roger, I'm so glad you came to my house. We're going to sing your songs. God doesn't throw people away because they're limited. No artist ever declines to work 
on a limited frame. Do you know what? Every art has limitation. Every person has limitation. Chesterton said, art is limitation. The essence of every picture is the frame. We can't escape it. The size of the, the canvas, the size of the artwork, the size of the frame does not determine the quality of the artwork. God didn't reject Roger and he won't reject you because of your limitations. He doesn't do that to people. You know what I love about this story? <laughs> it's how God used Phil's resistance to get him to land on the right Sunday. You know that first Sunday? That was the wrong Sunday. Second Sunday, wrong Sunday. Third Sunday, and you're saying about yourself, man, I'm always fighting God. I'm digging my heels in, leaving skid marks, you know. You know what God says about you? I know how to work you. <laughs> you're easy. <laughs> I come to the garden alone While the dew is still on the road And the voice I hear Falling on my ear The Son of God Discloses And He walks with me And He talks with me and he tells me I am his own And the joy we share As we tarry there None other has ever known Jesus loves me Sing it with me. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. That's the greatest news I've ever heard in my life, isn't it, to you, that God loves us? He's your friend. He's not your enemy. He's good. He's not bad. Well, I have one more song for you this morning. It's another song about death, just to kind of lighten up the mood. <laughs> it's a song about my dad. I wrote it after my father passed away, and his, he had been so influential on me he was a really good dad, but he shouldn't have been. You know, his, he was, if you'd seen him as a child, you'd have said, boy, that's, that's going to be a failure of a life. 
And that's what it was headed toward. And then God. <laughs> and then God. In fact, his story is in, in the book as well. Start the book with his burial service at Arlington National Cemetery. Tell the story about his orphan years and the miraculous encounter, the mystical encounter he had with God that so profoundly changed him that it changed my life because I said, whatever happened to you, that's what I got to have. And I count back to that day and say, that is the, the transformation of my life right there. So when my dad, and he was such a good friend, such a wonderful man. You know, my wife misses him as much as I do. And so um, I started thinking a lot about heaven, you know, because I want to go. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything to send myself there, but I'm, I'm just ready. I've been doing worship, I mean, uh, rapture practice, you know, just <laughs> assume the pose and get ready to fly, you know, <laughs> hoping God will just go, okay, come on, you know, So I wrote this song about a month after my dad died, and uh, it's about heaven, dedicated to my father, and I gave it a Scottish feel, because we are Scottish, we're the Kilpatrick family of the Calhoun clan of the Scots, okay. <laughs> and this morning, you are honorary members of the Kilpatrick family of the Calhoun clan of the Scots, and I gave you a part in the song, and your part sounds like this. Hey, ho! But you've got to sing it like a Scot, which means you sing loud. Scots don't sing softly. Hey, ho, and then hey, and you know. Ho. No, they sing with gusto. So you've got to sing with gusto this morning. And generally a Scot is never, ever just singing. But as he's singing, he's hoisting his, his uh, <laughs> cup of tea. So I want you all to get your teacups out with me. Do this. Wave your arm. Come on. Nobody's too spiritual. Nobody's too cool. Nobody's too young or too old. And as you wave your teacup, you'll sing together. Hey, ho, hey. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So I will cue you by pointing. When I point, get your teacup out or whatever it is your doctrine allows. Sing as loud as you dare, okay? It's your way of adding an amen to what I'm singing in this song. This is for my dad. My father is there And I am there in my heart And sometimes I long to slip away To join the ones who departed The mighty cloud of witnesses bears silent testimony. When I shall join the ranks of them, I'll worship Jesus only. One of these days will all be One of these days 
stars of earth and all that glitters and glimmers will lurk in our hearts will weaken our hope but we must always remember that we will shed this thin mortality and we will slip beyond the veil the darkened mirror laid aside and face to face will hail him one of these days we'll all be home say hey oh, hey, hey. over the hills no more to roam say hey oh, hey yes our sorrow and all of our sadness will turn to joy and gladness I'll be home. You are going home with us, aren't you? Amen. Hey ho. Can I tell you a funny story that uh, I didn't tell the early service? I mean, you have time. I, I'm trying to get you to the restaurants before the Baptists, you know. Those Baptists are so selfish, you know, that's my table. They were predestined for that table right there. Sit. I want to tell you a funny story that happened on this song. I was singing it at a friend's church. He's from South Africa. And uh, when I was done, he called his father-in-law up. He says, I'd like to have my father-in-law come up and close a meeting in prayer. And dad was back there. Dad, ancient. I mean, like ancient, you know. <laughs> so he's taking a little time to get down the front so son-in-law is giving a little history my father-in-law has been a missionary in West Africa for 40 years and he's home now he's itinerating and we're glad to have him home this evening so Pop come on up and close the meeting in prayer and as he got I was sitting about right where you are and as he got up to the front he went like this hey ho hey ho <laughs> to me you know and I didn't know if he was mocking me or you know <laughs> So I did that thing we do. I went, <laughs> you know, because I didn't know what to do. And so he walked over to the stage and he looked up at his son and I went, hey, ho, hey, ho. And then he climbed up the stairs, you know, son in law gave him the mic and he looked out at the audience. He went, hey, ho, hey, ho. And we all went, Felt like being at the principal's office. Like, are we in trouble? Or, you know? And so, then he prayed. And here's his prayer verbatim. He said, Oh, Jesus, look on us. Look on us. 
Look on us clean and forgiven. We say to you, hey, ho, hey, ho. And then he said, everybody, we went, hey, ho, again, hey, ho. And I started crying because he had transformed this meaningless phrase into an expression of praise, you know? Because, look, everybody has bad days, you know? Everybody has a bad day. (laughs) Maybe not him, but (laughs) all the rest of us do. (laughs) Give yourself a couple of years there, you'll have them. (laughs) Everybody has them, and maybe today is a bad day for you. Well, here's the good news. The good news is the sun is going to go down on this day. The clock is going to strike midnight. And the sun's going to come up tomorrow, new day. This is not the day you will live in forever. We're waiting for another day when the sun will come up and it'll never go down again. The corruptible will put on the incorruptible and the mortal will put on the immortal. And we will be changed into his likeness and we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And my favorite, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Hey, ho. So the next time, you know what that means? It means I believe in another day. I believe in another day, not today. So the next time you're having a bad day and somebody says, hey, how you doing? You just go, hey, who? (laughs) Hey, who? And you know what you're saying? I believe in another day. Thank God it's not today. Thank God. Hey, who? So maybe today you'd like to make your peace with God. I think that's a great thing to do. If you have not, if you came here and you are not at peace with God, I can't think of a reason why you should not be at peace with God because he wants to be at peace with you. It's the most amazing thing that the God who is good wants to make peace with his enemies. That's me and you. So today, if you're not at peace with God, why not make peace? How do I do that, Bob? You pray. <laughs> I don't know how to pray. Let me give you a prayer, okay? Here's your prayer. Yes. Jesus. Yes. That'll work. That'll work. You don't have to get your doctrine right. You don't have to get the place right or the song right, or prayer right. Get the person right. We're talking about Jesus Christ. If you say yes to him, just open your heart to him. He'll take care of the rest. After you say yes, find one of the pastors of the church. Let them know so they can walk with you, okay? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.